Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. You're ready to do this again? Well, jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we talked last week about hitting dollar cotton. Well, guess what? This week, we hit dollar ten cotton. We'll check in again with cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland about what this level of price means for cotton demand. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name's Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. What a difference just a little more rain could have meant. A lot of Texas High Plains farmers are thinking about that right now. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas hay still being cut in October for larger inventory in the colder months of winter. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Timing is everything in agriculture, and that's certainly true when planting winter wheat especially if you're going to use it for forage. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton prices have now topped $1.10 this week, and there may be more upside to come. Market analyst O.A. Cleveland says we're reaching price levels that could cut into cotton demand, but he's not seeing that right now. We've not yet seen mills back off from buying cotton to spend in the yarn. That means the, from a yarn standpoint, the, the yarn mills are still making money. We've got to get somewhere close here at this point now where, where, where mills are going back off from their demand somewhat. But again, the retailers want cotton goods. But it, it is a little scary. I'd be less than honest if I didn't say that when we get up here a dollar and five cents, a dollar and ten cents. Cleveland says he feels we could see another five-cent jump in prices before this rally is over. The Texas Water Wars continue. The years-old legal battle between Texas, New Mexico, and Colorado over water reignited in a virtual courtroom this week. A water master has begun hearing arguments in the lawsuit over water that is supposed to be delivered from Colorado to New Mexico and then to Texas. In the suit, Texas alleges New Mexico is not delivering the amount of water that it is required to under the 82-year-old Rio Grande Compact into the Elephant Butte Reservoir. The water delivered into the reservoir is used for irrigation by Texas farmers and flows into the Rio Grande. Texas alleges New Mexico is allowing its residents and businesses to pump from the reservoir onto its side of the state line. That reduces the amount of water that is available to Texas. Colorado is involved in the case because it is included in the original water compact. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We have a late developing cotton crop this year all across the cotton belt, but the condition of the crop is very good. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey looks at the latest cotton crop condition ratings. 
62% rated good to excellent. Still, this is the best looking cotton crop in terms of USDA NAS conditions since 2004. So, you know, it is a delayed crop, but a pretty good looking crop overall. 62% good to excellent, 6% very poor to poor. A week ago, those numbers were 65% and 6% respectively. And then last year, just 40% good to excellent in early October, 27% very poor to poor. So in spite of the delays, uh, things are still looking pretty good prospect-wise overall for this crop if we can just get it through to harvest. Here in Texas, our crop ratings aren't quite as good as those national numbers Rippy mentioned, but we still have a very good-looking crop. We have 57% of the crop rated good to excellent, 37% rated fair, and only 6% rated poor to very poor. It was a great year for rainfall on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt says a little more rain at the end of the season could have made a big difference. For Barry Evans, who farms in the Cress area in Swisher County, as he harvests his crops, there's a nagging notion about what could have been. You just look and say, oh boy, if we just had that one more rain, what it could have done. Unfortunately, like pretty much all Texas High Plains farmers during the summer growing season, Evans found himself on a roller coaster ride when it comes to moisture. We started off the year, whenever we were planting cotton, early May, it was so horribly dry. And then we just got tremendous rainfall all summer. And we had good rain up until the end of July. And the crop just did fantastic. And then in July, the rains quit and the cotton had gotten, in, and so the same way with the sorghum, you know, it had gotten pretty tender. And I don't think it did as good as what we would like to have had. And whenever it quit raining, it really did show a lot of stress. Nevertheless, Evans says he's still ending up with one of his better dryland cotton crops in recent years, and his irrigated cotton turned out very well. As for his sorghum, the results were mixed, with earlier planted sorghum prospering during the rainy period, but later planted sorghum getting deprived of rain during the latter stages of development. It had enough subsoil moisture to carry it on out and make ahead, and all the sorghum will be cut. It's just not as good as what we sure hope for. On the financial side, Evans says his profits are being reduced by the big rise in input costs so many farmers are talking about these days. In fact, Evans says it's possible that if input costs don't come down and fears of a shortage of chemicals for next year come true, those factors could help persuade area farmers to go heavier into sorghum versus cotton when planting time rolls around again. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hay cuttings are continuing into October this year. Tom Nicoletti says a good summer of rainfall has kept the grass growing. Normally, hay harvest in Texas, hay meadows are wrapped up for the most part by this time of the year. But because of ample summertime rainfall, the hay bales and rolls continue to appear in pastures this fall. Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist Tracy Tomasic says a larger inventory of hay will be beneficial going into the cooler, colder months, while livestock prices are looking good right now. Yes, that really helped uh, helped us uh, reserve uh, some of the hay stocks that, that were put up a little bit early in the season uh, when we got those winter grasses baled and, and taken off in case we got into some dry situations. But luckily, we've evaded that, and uh, we're looking just to stack up a little bit more in case we get another really tough winter ahead. 
All right, and your discussions with ranchers across the state, uh, their, their cattle are doing well as far as uh, gaining some weight and uh, their condition at this time of the year. Cow-calf herds are in pretty good shape uh, from from my reports uh, that I've got. Um, of course, uh, uh, you know, there's always a need to improve, and so farmers and ranchers are, are being very cautious in, in evaluating their stock on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you look into the sheep and goat industry, you know, they're in kind of the same boat. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, uh, there's a, some stability right now on both sides uh, and, and with uh, sheep, goats, and with cattle. So prices uh, are fairly good at the moment, and we look forward uh, to, uh, to better opportunities um, in next year. If we can maintain these herds in good condition and in good health, we might have a really good spring ahead of us. So we're crossing our fingers and hoping for a better tomorrow. That is Livestock Specialist Tracy Tomasic. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Timing is everything in agriculture, especially if you're planting winter wheat. Barry Mahler has more from the Rolling Plains. The way winter wheat is raised here on the Rolling Plains of Texas, it becomes a dual-use crop. And by dual-use, I mean it can be raised for grain, of course. You make flour and bread and all that out of it. That's pretty common knowledge. But it can also be used for forage for livestock or, in some instances, both. This is one of the reasons why it's been so popular. A lot of the decisions of how to use it comes down to planting date and variety. Now, research has shown that optimum planting date for winter wheat raised for grain is mid to late October. And I've had wheat growers with a lot of experience tell me, if well, if I could plant every acre I farm on one day, it would be October 15th. By mid-October, we have escaped the 100-degree days. We're usually experiencing some cooler fall-like temperatures. And in most years, you get away from the fall armyworm infestations. Those rascals can show up and be a problem just about any time, but it helps. Winter wheat, as the name implies, likes cooler weather and grows off best in moderate temperatures. And although a lot of it is planted in early September, some good forage can be raised with a mid-October plant date. Actually, most of the time, the planting date stretches from sometime in September to about Thanksgiving because a lot of these large producers have just got a lot of country to get over and when you've got to plant several thousand acres, well, it takes some time. With adequate rainfall, pasture from wheat will be ready to turn cattle out on by late November. And if they're turned out by Thanksgiving, well, it's been a pretty good wheat forage growing fall. One of the reasons that wheat pasture is so popular is the fact that it's one of the few forages that grows in the winter months and it's a high protein feed source. Typically, a 400-pound heifer steer will be turned out on pasture and will gain two pounds a day through the winter months and will go to the feedlot in the spring not only with good weight gain, but a larger frame and a rumen that's ready for good performance on feed. We generally have wheat that is grazed out and used completely for forage that's pretty well gone by late April. Wheat that's grazed early, say up until March 1st, and then it can be cut for grain, and of course some that's never grazed and just used for grain production. So it's a very versatile crop. Now I share this point on how important timing is uh, because it's dry in North Texas. We've had a good summer with plentiful rain, but now the drills need to roll and the clouds have not shown up. There's a lot of seed that's been in the ground, the dry ground, I should say, for over a month waiting for the rain to bring it up to a stand and produce the forage that we've talked about. And there are drills standing by waiting to roll when the moisture comes, but right now the clock is ticking on getting it in and getting it grown off before the time is up. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag today. An event designed to bring awareness to the state's pollinators is underway now. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag today. 
And mycotoxins in feed can affect lactating cows as well as calves and heifers. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Mycotoxins in feed can have an effect on lactating cows, but Dr. Bob Judd says it can also affect calves and heifers. Dr. Bill Selger from Pioneer indicates at Drovers.com that only a few species of mold growing on grains produce mycotoxins, but these mycotoxins can be dangerous and even deadly to dairy cattle. Symptoms of mycotoxin contamination are rather vague, which makes the problem difficult to diagnose. Symptoms include reduced feed intake, feed refusals, reduced milk production, rough hair coat, and reproductive problems. These toxins can also affect fresh cows, including displaced abomasum, ketosis, retained placenta, mastitis, and uterine infections. However, Dr. Ellen DeFuer from Hubbard Feeds indicates that it is not only cows in the milking herd that are affected by mycotoxins, as calves and heifers can also be affected. Dr. DeFuer performed a study with the University of Minnesota to evaluate the effects of mycotoxins on the health and development of pre-weaned calves and older heifers. They found multiple effects of the mycotoxins in these animals, including decreased rumen function and feed efficiency, delayed maturity, and suppressed immunity. Calves-fed mycotoxins had a 10% decrease in average daily gain, 15% reduction in calf starter intake, 10% reduction in dry matter intake, and a 50% increase in treatment cost, which is very significant. The fact that immunity is also lowered is critical in these calves, as they are very susceptible to respiratory disease, and the mycotoxins in the feed may decrease their ability to respond to vaccines. Because of this, it is important to sample the final as-fed ration and send to a lab to determine the total level of mycotoxins calves are consuming. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. An event designed to bring awareness to pollinators is underway now. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and other partners across the state are encouraging Texans to take the time to recognize the state's pollinators this month. It's all part of the 6th Annual BioBlitz. During the Pollinator BioBlitz, Texans are encouraged to not only look for pollinators like bees, butterflies, and moths, they're also encouraged to look for nectar-producing plants. If you find any, take a photo or video and post it on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter using hashtag TXPollinators. Observers are encouraged to post what they know about the subject of their photo or video, like striped bee I found in Mission, Texas. 
Parks and Wildlife reports this helps raise awareness of the diversity and importance of pollinators while bringing greater attention to the critical habitat needs of monarch butterflies and native pollinators. The monarch and about 30 other species of pollinators have been designated as species of the greatest conservation need by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Ross Winton, TPWD invertebrate biologist, says documented declines in insect populations, particularly pollinators, have brought to the forefront the need to better understand these species and the support they provide Texas rangelands, agriculture, and native ecosystems. To further celebrate Texas native pollinators, other organizations like the National Butterfly Center, the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are hosting a variety of events this month designed to get more people outdoors. A list of events is available on the Texas Pollinator BioBlitz website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The first half of the week was great for both the cattle and the cotton markets. So how did the trade look on Thursday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Aggressive trading in the feeder cattle markets gave some support to live cattle futures on Thursday. October live cattle up $1.45 to $125.27. December live cattle were up $1.87 to $130.10. February live cattle Thursday ended up $1.47 to $134.65. As I mentioned, we saw triple-digit gains in the feeder cattle market on Thursday. October feeder cattle were up $3.55 to $160.35. November feeder cattle up $3.47 to $161. 60. January feeder cattle were up $2.47 to $161.25. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. They had cattle in the alleyway on Monday down in Three Rivers, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers, Riley Roads. Stop down and tell us how you sold them. The uh, market was about steady with what it was last week, Larry, which was uh, good. Finally got a week where it didn't go down. Our volume was a lot lighter, uh, like we talked last night, uh, a lot of good rains around the area. Uh, volume was quite a bit less than what we have had. Um, ended up with 760 head today. Soccer cows, not too many. Had a handful of pairs, 800 to 1250 on those. Some bred cows from 750 to 1100. Uh, Packer cows sold steady with last week, uh, 58 to 68 on your high-yielding cows. 56 to 64 on your breakers, uh, 24 to 48 on your canners. The uh, Packer bulls, same story, 82 to 88 on your high-yielding bulls. 64 to 82 on your low to medium yellow bulls. Two to three weight choice steers, 164 to 190. Heifer mates, 132 to 160. Three to four weight choice steers, 156 to 188. Heifer mates, 126 to 146. Four to five weight choice steers, 138 to 166. Heifer mates, 124 to 140. 
five to six weight choice steers, 132 to 154. Heifer mates, 118 to 136. Six to seven weight choice steers, 124 to 142. Heifer mates, 114 to 128. And the seven to eight weight cattle year choice steers, 114 to 134. And the heifers, 110 to 122. So uh, pleased with it. You know, uh, like I said, everybody's a lot of smiles on people's faces around here today and lots of good rains. And, you know, market was uh, steady with last week. So uh, we'll take it. It's a good Monday. Do you know of anything for this next Monday? Sure do. I think we'll have a big run uh, next week. Uh, Larry, we've got about 500 of those uh, wean calves and yearlings that are going to be here for our special calf uh, wean calf sale. And then I know several other uh, larger consignments of calves coming just for the regular sale. So I'd imagine, uh, you know, 15 to 2,000 uh, next week, if not more. Tell everybody how to contact Riley. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. Liveoaklivestock.com is the web. Thank you, Riley. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This has been Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. See you tomorrow. Lean hogs closed out higher on Thursday, likely due to a forecast of tighter inventory in the United States in the coming months. October lean hogs up 22 cents to 89.85. December lean hogs up 30 cents to 82.02. We saw some weakness in the cheese markets on Thursday, but that had little to no impact on our milk futures. October Class 3 milk was down 11 cents to 18.04. November Class 3 milk was up 15 cents to 18.74, 100 weight. Cotton traded sideways to higher on Thursday. December cotton was up 55 points to $1.11. March cotton up 56 points to $1.08. Corn started the day weaker on Thursday, but was back in the black around lunchtime. December corn up one and three quarters to 534. March corn up two to 543. September corn was up a half to 531 and a half. December hard red wheat down three and three quarters to 741 and a quarter. March hard red wheat down three and a quarter to 749 and a half. November crude oil was up $1.39 Thursday to 78.82 a barrel. December crude oil up $1.41 to 78.47. Now let's take a look at our financial markets, see how they fared on Thursday. Uh, the Dow was up 394 points to 34,811. The S&P 500 up 45 points to 4,408. And the NASDAQ was up 189 points to 14,690. Some of that increase likely due to a temporary debt limit fix that Congress reportedly reached on Thursday. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.